I want to take a quick second to promote a business that's a friend of the podcast and also a person who runs it as a friend of mine, and that is Sick Little Creations. So you can find it on Redbubble. There's amazing uh, stuff on there. You can find artwork, stickers, um, some clothing, a bunch of other stuff. Find it on redbubble.com. You can also uh, find more of her work at Pinterest. Be sure to check that out. It's really amazing work. So any at any time you have, you need to get a gift for someone. Like I know we're, you likely just missed Mother's Day, but still you do have you do a Father's Day coming up. There's still birthdays. There are a variety of other holidays that you can go for. So definitely be sure to check that out. And that's the sick little creations. And you can find that on Redbubble. And also be sure to follow her on Pinterest as well. Hi, everybody. This is Matt Kirby, and welcome to a brand new episode of Groupie and Harmony, a podcast all about music. Today, there's a bunch of things that I want to discuss, just some random things that I've been wanting to discuss but pushed off for a little bit. But before we do that, I'll just do my typical shameless self-promotion plugs. I have a Facebook page. It's called Groupie and Harmony. Make sure you give that a like because I post whenever I have any updates about the podcast, any new episodes, or any updates or new posts from my blog, Feeling Groupie. Um, I... I haven't posted anything recently in that one. Um, there uh, will be one coming out soon. Um, I got a little bit held up with my other blog, which I'll get to shortly. But I'll be getting to... I'll be releasing a new post soon, which will be the best rappers. Um, and then uh, as for uh, my other blog, um, which is a basketball blog, is Ballard Trademark yet? There were a bunch of things that I posted recently. I've... Uh, posted uh I did one that was prior to the NBA draft I did one that was my mock draft it ended up going I ended up being totally wrong with it which I was a little bit surprised by um I did my NBA draft grades soon I'm going to be releasing ones that are free agents or off entire off-season grades soon I'm just wait I'm waiting to see if Dennis Schroeder does get signed um, at some point, I'll have some other posts that are coming out, so keep an eye out for that for those. And uh, there will there will be a bunch more that's coming out for both of those that I have that I'm really excited about. So before we get into the topics that I want to discuss, there's some there's a couple news things I want to discuss. Um, first off, um, there are a few. Um, individuals in music who have passed away that I do want to give shout outs to. Um, so the first one that actually just passed today, I'm recording this on Monday, August 9th, is Chucky Thompson. Um, so he is a producer. Um, he, he was, uh, he was one of the producers for Bad Boy Entertainment and did produce for all sorts of artists. Uh, Mary J. Blige, Notorious Big, um, Faith Evans, Nas, did a bunch. Um, Usher did a bunch of work with Puff Daddy, um, but in particular, like I think for me, because um, he actually produced what is by far my favorite Nas song with uh, One Mike. Absolutely love that song, um, and really, in my opinion, is what really just made it known just how incredible. Read, I mean, he had released so much great music before that, but I thought that 
One Mike really just is his standout song, and it's by far his best song. So he was, um, so he was a uh, producer and songwriter for that one, along with Nas. So, um, so that always holds like a, so he'll, he'll hold a special place in my heart because of that. Um, another one that I do want to uh, mention is uh, Dusty Hill, who was the bassist of ZZ Top. Um, so he passed away a, um, like a little bit more than maybe like a week and a half, two weeks ago. I just hadn't recorded an episode since he passed away. Um, so I know a lot of people like really focus on the um, like the guitars, the guitars for parts for ZZ Top, but he really was an excellent bassist. And ZZ Top is one of those bands where they really are. Um, like it really was one that they're a group that really, um, in order for them to be truly successful, it really had to be a case of, um, it really had to be a case of everyone being excellent musicians and being so coherent together. And they really were. And also one quick story that I always think of when I think ZZ Top was, um, my dad was telling me that there was one year with SNL where they were doing one uh, presidential election, because uh, we're in presidential election special. Um, I think it was earlier than uh, the Bush versus Dukakis, but I'm not sure. Um, whatever it was, they um, they had a, they were having a th a poll where you could call in and say who you're going to vote for, and then halfway through the election, they added in ZZ Top was also running for president. And then ultimately had ZZ Top winning it. So whenever I think of that, I always, whenever I think of anything with ZZ Top, I always think of that, and oh, it just makes me chuckle. Um, the last artist I do want to mention is uh, Joey Jordison. He is most he's been he was with a bunch of different um, metal and punk groups, um, including Murder Dolls, Scar the Scar the Martyr, um, uh, Sinsano, and probably most notably Slipknot. So he was their drummer, and he really was an excellent drummer. I think that a lot of people will um, tend to go crazy about the fact that he was able to, for instance, uh, like there were times where, like he would be playing drumming, drumming upside down, which is nuts. Um, I think that really, um, like Slipknot's an interesting group because they. Um, because he, uh, or because they were a new, they're a new metal, or often, most often associated with new metal, but then at the same time, but that's like a lot of new metals have gotten like bad publicity, panned, etc. But yet, Slipknot seems to have avoided that, and even a lot of metal groups and hard rock groups really love their stuff and respect them. And I think in particular, well, a bunch of members responsible for that. I think a lot of individuals really recognize just how talented Joey Jordison was. Because, like, for instance, he also has performed at different times with groups like Metallica, Rob Zombie, um, Ministry Otep, um, and several others, and was also a session drummer for a lot, a lot of different artists. Um, and he really was a skilled drummer, so, um, Rest in peace to all of those, and there were several other musicians who have 
passed away, well, this year, but then it, especially in the last uh, several weeks, I really just wanted to give those three in particular a shout out because they each of them do hold a special place in my heart. Uh, next thing that I want to discuss is, um, so, since the, so since the last time I recorded an episode, um, baby got into some, uh, generated some controversy related to, um, multiple remarks that, um, that were, uh, that were viewed as homophobic, uh, by a lot of people, including myself, and he made, like, multiple ones that weren't, that, yeah, it generated a lot of controversy. He said these on, and, uh, at the Rolling Loud Festival in Miami on July 25th, and, uh, also at that same show, he also brought out Tory Lanez to perform with him, which the reason that one was generated some controversy was because Megan Thee Stallion performed right before, uh, before him, and there is a court case going on related to, uh, and trial going on related to, uh, Tory Lanez shooting Megan Thee Stallion. So, um, generated a lot of controversy from that was, uh, scheduled to perform at Lollapalooza on August 1st. That was canceled, or his performance was canceled, rather. Um, uh, also, other festivals pulled, uh, can't, uh, removed him from the lineup, including Governor's Ball, um, Park Life uh, Festival in uh, the UK, Day in Vegas, Austin City Limits, Music Midtown, uh, iHeartRadio Music Festival, um, the a clothing line, uh, a fashion brand that he was doing a collaboration with, Boohoo Man, um, had ended the partnership. And on August 2nd, he posted an apology on Instagram, but then he received more backlash from it and ended up, cancel and ended up deleting that one. So... There are a lot of people wondering, is he going, it's like he being canceled. And I think that it's interesting because a lot of times you don't have, because there aren't necessarily a ton of artists who maybe are like, you might think of that like are in their prime, they're like entering their prime and something like this happens and it totally ruins it. But at the same time, you also don't think of many who something like this happens and it, they persevere through it no problem. I, I don't know, some people might point to, like, for instance, controversial to Eminem or Morgan Wallen as the one to recognize as maybe, as maybe a case that he could get through it. I would actually say that the, that a case, while not exactly the same thing for how to get through it, would actually be an incident that happened with the baby. So, um, during a tour in 2020, he at, was doing a performance also in Florida, but this one in Tampa. And he, uh, and, uh, while he was walking to the stage, um, he, he hit a woman while walking up there because, uh, because, uh, this, a fan who was female was, uh, video recording him and he said got too close to his face and with the flash on and just slapped and, uh, struck her across the face. So, um, he, and so he ended up not performing his songs because he got booed off the stage and effective and post on Instagram quote, I do apologize that there was a female on the other end. I think by this time, you know, it's, you know, it's a well-known fact that male or female, I would have responded the same exact way. 
So I think that really shows that ultimately I think it will be a case of he will be un unapolog unapologetically himself and yet with this he I think that he was able to recover from that with really no contra with little to no publicity and was able to recover from that no problem. Now I think that this one obviously is a little bit more serious and and I know some people are like, is he going to be cancelled? I don't think he will long term. I still think that he will be um, will continue to be really popular um, all long term. Maybe not as popular as he was. Um, we won't know yet, obviously. Um, in the short term, he... For the Billboard charts, he had three songs that uh, are in where he was on where that, that charted in the Billboard charts. One of them, uh, Dua Lipa's song, uh, Levitating, dropped uh, from number three to number five. Um, the other two ones, Fall If I Want To and uh, Red Light, Green Light, dropped from 56 to 60 and then 79 to 84, respectively. That doesn't really give us too much because none of them were major drops. And then... Uh, he had one album that was on on the most recent, uh, most recently from the Billboard charts, which was "Blame It on Baby." We won't know for sure. I mean, he also had one album that's currently a Billboard chart, "Blame It on a Baby," which dropped, which rose from ninety nine to ninety seven. Now I think this week, now this is uh, as of uh, uh, the week of um, August seventh, which means that. Uh, and I'm looking at this on August 9th. On August 10th, they will release a new one. So we'll have to see after that how that ends up working out. Um, the last news one that I do want to mention that I think is, is really funny. Um, so just the headline. Wu-Tang Clan, once owned by Martin uh, Shkreli, sold by U.S. government. So Martin Shkreli was uh, known as Pharma Bro. He... Uh, um, because, and who had, uh, risen the, uh, the price of, um, uh, dr uh, drug by 5,000% the life-saving drug, um, and was convicted of security fraud. Um, he, uh, when he, um, before he went to jail, he had bought a Wu-Tang Clan album, and this one was notable because, uh, the album, uh, Once Upon a Time in, uh, Shaolin, um, was... There was only one version of it, and it was sold to the highest bidder. So, once uh, Shkreli was uh, was arrested, um, he he uh, owned he um, it was seized by the government eventually since uh, it was part of seven point four million uh, forfeiture. So the government owned a Wu-Tang Clan album, so now it's finally been sold again, so the U.S. government doesn't own it anymore. I just always found that to be the funniest thing, that the U.S. government was the, for briefly, it was briefly the, actually for a while, few years, was the sole owner of a Wu-Tang Clan album. Um, so now let's get into the topics. So there's three topics that I want to discuss. Um, I'm going to see if I can get to all of them. Each of them should be shorter. Um... The first topic that I want to discuss is something a little bit odd that is for timing-wise, but I think this is a cool one to discuss. So, 
this past year with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, or this year, they, um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has announced that Carol King is going to be inducted. The reason that this is notable is because she'll be the first performer the first performer ever to have also been inducted as a non-performer because she was inducted for her songwriting career in the six in the sixties and now is inducted as a performer as well. I never thought that would happen because that sounds kind of weird, but in this case, it's a rarity that happened, which got me wondering if if this could be a norm that we could see. Um, and in particular, I was wondering if we could see other artists who either have gotten in for both or could get in for both at some point or get in for one at some point also be in, uh, inducted in the other. Now, in terms of artists who uh, have gotten in as not, um, as non or individuals who have gotten in as non-performers who, um, who realistically have a fair case to be uh to be inducted as a as a performer it's pretty slim so um the ones that really jump out to me as having a prolific solo career as well um well you've got uh Johnny Otis though um so he was uh, he was like in, uh, he got in because he was great at scouting talent. Um, and he was really influential in R&B and, or like, and early rock music. Admittedly, his, he didn't ha he had a bunch of hits that were charted on the U.S. R&B charts. And, but, and really in terms of crossover success is more of a one hit wonder, um, as a, due to his release of the song Willie and the Handjive. Um, but he is cons considered uh, the godfather of rhythm and blues. So I think that there's a that there's a case to be made for inducting him. It also wouldn't surprise me if they cho would choose to induct him as an early influence, which at that point I don't see them inducting him a second time, frankly. Um, as for some other ones who are possible, um, Alan Toussaint, um, he, he is a known musician as well. Um, he got in because he is, frankly, an excellent songwriter and had a lot of success um, songwriting. The issue is that he, um, a lot of his uh, work didn't wind up being charted by him. It was charted by other artists. So that's why he was inducted in that regard, I think. And I don't know if they would induct him as a musician as well. Um, another one that's possible here is, uh, is, uh, Herb Albert, um, he, uh, um, he was inducted, uh, for co-founding, uh, A&M Records with Jerry Moss. I think that one is unlikely for him to, uh, get, um, to get uh, to get in because he really wasn't a rock artist and was more known as a as a jazz artist. Um, though he did have a lot of commercial success, so it's always possible. Um, and then the one that I think probably would be most likely out of those would be um, would be Quincy Jones. Um, 
though I think that he might be more known as at this point as a producer um, for producing and for having so much production work done um, though he was a musician as as well um, admittedly a lot of his stuff was jazz music as well so um, but he did cross over into other genres so it's possible I don't see him getting inducted though now um, I think of all those and I I think that what might be more likely and what I think they have actually opened them to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and might have opened it up instead is what about musicians who are also producers? So some notable na uh, names in that regard um, include Smokey Robinson, who was inducted and uh, was a producer for a bunch of groups, including the Miracles, Temptations, Mary Wills. Um, Brian Wilson, who was inducted with the Beach Boys, but also produced all their stuff and uh, had produced some other things as well. Um, someone like Nile Rogers, who, um, although he was actually not inducted as a non-performer, um, he was inducted in the, I always, I never remember the name of this now, the Award for Musical Excellence. They changed in the last, uh, they changed like a lot, 10 years ago, and I can't remember, I never remember what they call it. Um, so, I mean, those ones are probably the most notable ones. So, and I think for those ones, I think, but then you could also like argue maybe like someone like Todd Rundgren also, I think he might be really likely in that case because of how I meant they were to induct him. Um, Sly Stone, Isaac Hayes. I just wonder, would they ever do that? Because I think that would be the most likely route. Um, I, and I don't know. I think that um, for these ones, I don't think that like a lot of the names I reckon I mentioned are recognized enough as a producer. And I think that a lot of times, especially with rock producers, I think especially nowadays, people don't really necessarily think of them unless or care about who they are, unless they were notably uh, performing or producing a lot of major work. So um, I think in that case, then we it's possible, but there aren't a ton of full-time producer, uh, full producers who are also prolific musicians. And a lot of times they're producing their own work, and I think people tend to overlook that kind of stuff. But that brings me to another interesting thing, because I think that this could open up, one that could actually change that would be, what about a hip-hop producer? So like, for instance, someone like, I think Dr. Dre would, is probably the one that for years I was wondering, would he... How would that work out? Because he was inducted with NWA already. Would they... No. Um, would they consider inducting... Because I was wondering what, which is more likely. Because his solo career was incredibly influential on hip-hop music. And gangster rap in particular. But his he's one of the best producers of all time. So I wondered if they would... I figured one bound to do one of them, but which one would they do? Well, now I wonder, could he be a really weird case of a three-time inductee? Because currently the only one is Eric Clapton, um, who was inducted as a solo artist then with uh, Cream and um, the Yardbirds. So I wonder, could he be a three-time inductee as with NWA for a solo career and as a non-performer? 
I think that would probably be the most likely for uh, the next most likely. He is eligible for uh, his solo, for a solo career and likely would be considered eligible for as not as a non-performer. So I think that I don't think we'll see that one yet though. But I think that is something interesting to consider, which then leads us to the next topic, which does kind of tie into that one, and that is the fact that with uh, for uh, again related to the Rock and Hall of Fame, one thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately is that for the non-performers, they have inducted artists who uh, are non-performers who have done all sorts of record, record labels, um, and they have of different genres. They have like done some artists of different genres and producers of different genres, but there aren't any notable producers who have produced hip-hop music. And now that they have uh, inducted hip-hop artists, I know this that is controversial be, uh, for a lot of people because a lot of people consider that not rock, and my consistent comment about that or towards that is the president has been set with that and also hip-hop music what is heavily influenced by a lot of rock music so in that case why are you still arguing it so i think in this so but even still so there hasn't been a hip-hop producer to be inducted yet so i think the two, there are two that really come to mind that i think would make the most sense because, um, well, there's a bunch that I think that I would, like, love to see. Um, like, DJ Premier, I think, is an obvious one. Jay Dilla is an obvious one. Marley Morrow, um, RZA, Organized Noise, uh, The Bomb Squad, several others. But I think that there are two massive ones that really are obvious ones that should be discussed. One of them is the aforementioned Dr. Drew. I think that he's he is he would be it would make sense to be inducted as a non-performer because he has done a lot of work for uh um he has done a lot of work uh not just in producing but also like for instance beats headphones um, a lot of other things so i think he does make a lot of sense to be inducted another one that i think is interesting is kanye west i don't think he would be inducted as a non-performer at any point even though he is an excellent producer I think because a lot of people will likely write him off as being a producer of his own work, which I think, for instance, is why someone like Brian Wilson, I don't expect to ever be inducted as a as a non-performer, despite being an excellent producer of Beach Boys music, as well as performing on it. Um, and I think with Kanye, though, at the same time, I mean, he was doing producing before he started his rap career. And also, I mean, let's face it, his, his producing is part of the reason that JC came out of retirement from rapping. Um... That said, I think the most likely first one would have to be someone like Rick Rubin, who has also produced in several other genres. Um, and I think that really they would have to go with someone who has produced in other genres before they do start getting to rap hip hop producing. And I don't think they'll, in, I don't think they would induct uh, um, Rick Rubin just yet. I do expect him to be inducted at some point. And then once that happens, I think we will start to see other ones. But I don't think that there will be... A, I think it, it will be slow, though. It won't be like the floodgates will open, like kind of like what they did with... Uh, um, with in terms of actually inducting rap and hip-hop artists. I think that you'll see 
you'll see Dr. Dre, and then it'd be quiet suddenly for a while, actually. So we'll have to see with that one, but I do, it is something that does fascinate me, and I've been thinking a lot about recently, and I do find it really weird. The last thing that I do want to discuss here is um, one that's a little bit weird. So one that I've thought about for a while, I wanted to incorporate it somehow into either a podcast or blog, but I didn't, I there's been a bunch of times I considered it, but never did. Um, one that I do want to discuss is that with metal music, a lot of, there's often been the debate about how, what are some important things with metal music. Well, a lot of people will point to speed instantly, and a lot of others will point to, like, the loudness and the noise level. So I was thinking about it, I'm like, well, which is more important, speed or noise, and which is the most important thing for metal music? And... Frankly, I pretty quickly came to the conclusion that neither were the most important thing by any means. And I think that in terms of which is more important, it really depends. Um, in some cases, you have, uh, you can, in, in, in subgenres, sub for instance, um, the speed is more important. Um, I think like thrash metal, a lot of times um, it would be. But then like in a genre like post metal, for instance, um, the speed isn't as important. The speed of it isn't as important. You can often play along, play, um, play with different volumes and make that really cool. Um, but I would say that ultimately, without a doubt, the most important thing in my opinion with metal music is technical ability. And I think some people might say, well, well, yeah, I mean, you have to play the instruments. That's not really what I mean. What I mean by that is like, not only just like knowing like, how to play, knowing, like, being able to play, pick up a guitar and, like, playing a fast riff or whatever. I think that really it's more important to, like, be able to know, like, music theory and, like, understand, maybe not even have, like, innate ability of, like, being able to name every key or something like that, but, like, at least having a knowledge of keys to know what sounds right. So, because, and a lot of times you do hear that with a lot of guitar solos, they're really just scales in, like, a lot of these classic solos. Um, it's just people playing scales really fast or something like that. So, and I think that, and I don't know a lot of times, like, people will be, like, point to, like, a song, like, for what the most, what the most uh, metal song they could think of is, and a lot of people will point to something like, uh, like Iron Man by Black Sabbath, or something like that, because, like, something with a big riff or something like that. Um, for me, I would argue that the two that really come to mind for me in that regard, what I would say is the, is the epitome of a metal song, in my opinion, is one by Metallica and, um, and Pull Me Under by Dream Theater. And I think that in particular, I'll probably go with one even more so because, I mean, it, they have different time signatures that changes, the keys are so precise, um, the, or the keys that they perform are not, like, and the chords perform not like the keyboards and they don't have a keyboardist. Um, and, I mean, it really is, and it, it really, I think that one's a song, because, like, they have points where it's slower and softer, and then louder and faster, and I think that the progression up until that point, um, is, uh, I think does emphasize that they do have both of them in it, really emphasizes that it's not that, it really is the technical ability that is so important in that one, and, I'm thinking about, like, and I was thinking, like, 
from a historical standpoint that like really a lot of the biggest names in metal really are um were also had like an incredible technical ability so so for instance i went to one site that i like digitaldreamdoor.com and they they have all sorts of different music and uh movie lists so i was looking at their list for greatest metal bands of all time so just looking at the top 10 actually we'll expand it to top 15. um i mean the top 10 it's it's funny because it's almost identical to my list <laughs> um the artists in it would be the same, but just totally different order of upset point. So, for I'll just go through their list for best metal bands. So number one, Black Sabbath. Yeah, they they were all really skilled musicians um, and had incredible technical abilities. Uh, Iron Maiden, same thing. Metallica, I've just mentioned. Yeah, Judas Priest, absolutely. Motorhead, um, yeah. Uh, Slayer is an interesting one because I think that a lot of people focus on like, for instance, a song like Raining Blood with how fast it could be, um, but really I think the reason that they were able to play do that is because they really did have this innate ability for what sounded good also and like how scales were supposed to do because a lot of their stuff were either chords or scales which does make it easier to play fast and i know in particular i'm saying this as like someone who played cello for many years and really eventually you did like scales frankly were the easiest thing to play fast or like different arpeggios things along scales lines Stuff like that were really easy to play fast so that so with Slay with slayer they do utilize that a lot of times and i'm not saying that's like i'm saying that's a brilliant idea some people might hear that and think that's a terrible idea that's like makes it limits what it does no that's it's it sounds awesome and i think that's really how you have to do it just like doing different scales it if you just do random stuff it doesn't sound good um or go in between keys in a solo that doesn't that just sounds like it's out of tune which it is um, and then, like, some other ones in there. Megadeth, yeah, they were really skilled musicians as well. Dave Mustaine, in particular, is really underrated with how skilled he is. Um, Venom, uh, they, yeah, they were really creative, and also with their playing. Um, Pantera, yeah, they definitely were, especially with the instrumentals. They were really good with that. Death is really underrated metal band, um, especially with their time signatures, because they really were influential in technical death metal. Um... And then for the other ones, um, number 11 is Ozzy Osbourne. This one's an interesting one because Ozzy Osbourne actually, um, with uh, the album Blizzard of Oz, fun story related to that. So um, Randy Rhodes was the guitarist of that album because he was Ozzy's uh, original guitarist. And Randy Rhodes was complaining about how every metal song up at, really at that point was basically all of it was in the same key. Ozzy Osbourne thought about it for a second and said, hey, why don't we try to write a song, uh, an album that's om in almost as many different keys as we can do? And ultimately, they created Blizzard of Oz by trying to write songs, like Oz, probably Ozzy's best album. And they were just trying to write a bunch of different songs in as many different keys as they could, and trying not to repeat the keys. Um, and it was excellent. Um, Queensryche, yeah, they were really influential with progressive metal, which you have to have amazing. Um, uh, amazing technical ability with that one. Dream Theater, same kind of thing. They even had a, they even had a, um, had an album where they had each, where it was an octave, or, um, Octaverum, I think it was called, um, and, like, each song was in a different key leading up to the octave, um, and, uh, let's see, Celtic Frost, yeah, they were one that was underrated, same thing with Man of War, um, and then, I mean, even, like, think about a lot of the metal bands that are massive today. 
Um, so, like, someone like, for instance, I know they're not as active as other bands, but System of a Down. Yes, they're incredible musicians. Um, especially with a lot of their later work really showcased that. Um, and like, a band like, uh, like Slipknot, they're really, I think a lot of people don't really focus on that, but I was mentioning about how the drummer was, a, um, at the time, Joey Jordison was a great drummer. He, really, they are excellent musicians, and I think that really they're, they often do music in similar keys, but at the same time, it's like, I think that they're really underrated with how technically gifted they are in a lot of regards. Um, same thing with like a uh, group like Korn. I think they're really underrated with that uh, tool. <laughs> they changed um I think it was, what song was it? Um, Chisholm, I think, like, changed keys, like, something like 46 times in the entire song. Um, trying to think who else. Um, Disturbed, admittedly, Disturbed is interesting because they're more known with their riff writing, but at the same time, I think because they, because a lot of their riffs are, like, similar, like, different things within key, different riffs in the key, which I think uh, is part of what works for them. Um, and at the same time, they, while they are great with riffs, they, they are another one that I think Lex of Dot is really underrated in that regard. Um, like Rob Zombie, same kind of, he's, same kind of thing, he is a talented musician as well, and really skilled. So, I think that, well, I, it's a weird topic to discuss, but it is something that had been on my mind in the last couple months, and... I really do think that, like, um, while a lot of people will just think, oh yeah, both playing guitars, playing fast, playing loud, playing fast riffs. No, I think that, um, I think that with metal music, it really does come down to technical ability. Continues to be the most important thing in terms of, um, in terms of music, really. In terms of the music, metal music. So I think that is something that continues to be really interesting to see. Um, and is really neat. So I'm gonna finish off with a, an album recommendation. Cause it's been, a, I think it's been a little while since I've done one. I might be wrong. So um, the album that I am going to be recommending is one by one of my favorite artists, and that's Sufjan Stevens. Um, and the album I'm gonna be recommending is Carrie and Lowell. So that's my favorite album by him. Uh, he's this interesting because even like. The albums that I call his top five albums are, like, <laughs> would probably be, like, the top album by a lot of different people. So, um, Sufjan Stevens, he's, he started out at his early, his first album was, like, more like indie folk. Then he did, like, an experimental electronic album. And I was like, okay. Then he, uh, released, um, uh, then he released another, like, more, it was indie folk, but then also like a bit like broke pop. And then he released a pure indie folk album. Then he did, um, uh, I don't know, which was like his breakthrough album, which was indie folk, but then also like kind of like Chandra folk, experimental at times. And then after like a bunch of different smaller releases, his next studio album, Age of As, was experimental electronic electro pop. And it was just off the wall. Um, and then he proceeds to release this album, which was Lo-Fi Indie Folk, before he released um, his uh, before he released The Ascension, which was like experimental electropop. And this album, wow, this album's a masterpiece. Um, 
usually it's either this album or Illinois that people will list as the as his top album. Um, I think this one it's interesting because it is like really in terms of it's a lot of the album is just him playing and si uh, playing guitar and singing. Um, there is some other instrumentation that is included in there too, but most of it is just him singing and playing guitar. And the songs just flow so well together. And as I'm just looking at the list, I'm like, hmm, now it's just for which one's my favorite one? Um, I think that there are two that come to mind, and it's All of Me Wants All of You and Drawn to the Blood. Um, and I think really those two in particular really just showcase the album because uh, it is like a it is a really vulnerable album. Um, it's an album that is that was inspired by uh, by the death of his mother, um, and uh, and was an album that was um, really meant to uh, come to terms with her death and provide closure for it. I think that those two songs in particular are just absolutely beautiful and vulnerable songs. Fourth um, of July is another one that I. Think is an excellent one. Um, no shade in the shadow of the cross. That one is done really well too. Um, Carrie Mole is a uh, good one. Blue, uh, Blue bucket of gold. The only thing is one of the, one of the most beautiful songs on there. Um, it's it's funny because it's an album that like it's an album that can mess with emotions. And it's also an album that is just so sweet at the same time. And then if you want an extension of that, um, he also, two years later, had released a live album that was uh, that was for one of the performances during that tour. Um, so uh, the album Carry Low Live, um, that one's also an excellent album where he reworked a lot of the music on that album and then some of his other albums. Um, and just the songs just sounded totally new. So, and I mean, in a lot of the, and I think it was just really cool just hearing the way he reworked all of them. Um, and there are some other songs on there that he included that I love. Um, he mostly did care, uh, Karen Lowe songs for that performance, but he also did include some other ones. Um, Vesuvius, which is one of my favorite songs by him. Um, he included that one, for instance. Um, and uh, both albums are excellent. I would highly recommend this one because um, there are times where it's really emotional, but it's just this sweet album at the same time. Um, it's definitely worth the listen. Um, it's one of the best albums of my lifetime. And Stephen Stevens is one of my favorite musicians. He's really eclectic. And I think this one is his absolute, is one of his masterpieces because he has several. Now, um, the last thing that I do want to mention before I go is um so that uh now the world is start as the world continues to open up again there are a lot more festivals as i mentioned and concerts that are occurring now so what i will just say as a warning i'm not going to try to tell you what to do with your life in that regard what i will say um is that if you are going to start participating in them just please listen to local recommend uh recommendations regarding that Listen to CDC recommendations, and remember there is the Delta variant going on. And even if like you're vaccinated and think, "Oh, I'm safe," well, 
just remember that there it is still possible to catch COVID. The point of the vaccine isn't to prevent you from getting COVID. Rather, the point of it is to reduce side effects, reduce symptoms, etc. And make it so you don't die from it necessarily. So just keep that in mind when doing this. Still remember to use safety. Remember to keep masks on. Um, and if possible, try not to be in too crowded of a place. And just remember to just listen to keep up with what different recommendations are, especially since we're not through it yet. The Delta variant is still going on, unfortunately. So I know that's really difficult to hear considering that we had been in, uh, have been restricted in what we could do for so long. But just remember, just be careful, be cautious so it doesn't get worse again. And so then we can come out the other side in even better shape. So that's all for the episode today. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this one. Um, make sure you like, uh, the Facebook page, Groupie and Harmony, check out, uh, keep an eye out for a new post on feeling groupie that will, I was hoping that would be out, um, before I was on vacation last week, um, didn't get it out in time. So hopefully, it, hopefully I can finish it by the week, end of the next weekend. Um, uh, but keep your eyes peeled for that one. Also keep your eyes peeled for more stuff from Isballer Trademark yet, like that Facebook page. And I'll talk to you all soon. Bye.